From the heart of the Forest City, focusing on the biggest stories in London, this is the Craig Needles Podcast. Now here's your host, Craig Needles. The Craig Needles Podcast, the Friday Roundtable here at ClassicRock981.com, LondonNewsToday.ca, and we are joined here in the studio by political insider Ryan Goss from the London Home Builders Association. Jared Safeman is here and taking a few minutes of her time away from making sure that she is registered for the Taylor Swift pre-sale. <laughs> Jennifer Dunn, the Executive Director of the London Abuse Women's Center. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hello. You're funny, Craig. I'm a little funny sometimes. Uh, you excited for T-Swift in Toronto in, in November of 2024? Oh, you bet. Oh, <laughs> you you bet. How, how many times do you think you'll go? Well, I've been once, and I'm going again. Yeah. If I could go every time, I would. Oh, you go to all six? <laughs> I would go to every show she ever has. If, if, if the possibility exists. And, like, one of my friends was like, so do you get a discount if you've been to, like, multiple? I don't I'm think like, Taylor's given no, discounts. No, yeah. you don't. She's no. given $100,000 bonuses to yeah. the truck drivers, though, which kudos to her and for that. And she, like, like yeah. makes big donations to food banks in every city she's in and, like, makes it a point to give back to the community when she's there. And I, I saw... A tweet, and we'll we'll do this quickly. Uh, someone was saying that okay, so six Taylor Swift shows, you got brought fifty thousand ticket holders at Rogers Center, plus other people who are there as part of the show because it's a massive production. As, as Jen can tell you, she was she's been out of show. Um, it's like a Super Bowl level economic impact. Oh, one hundred percent of having Taylor Swift be in your city at a, at a, at a venue like Rogers Center for six nights. So yeah, yeah. that's pretty cool. That's gonna be uh, that's gonna be fun in Toronto. So uh, looking forward to that in uh, you know sixteen months time, uh, maybe fifteen. I'll uh, send you all pictures. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah, I, <laughs> please I'm, do. I'm, I'm please gonna do. want them. I'm gonna want them. Uh, let's get to uh, some news this week and. Uh, there's a story, obviously, that it's interesting the way that we talk about it. I think there are some things that are relevant to be discussed on a show like this one and some things that are not. But I want to talk about when a politician's personal life becomes a matter of public interest and, and, and where that line gets crossed. Because this week, the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, announced that he and his wife, Sophie Gregoire Trudeau, are, are separating, which is very sad for them and very sad for their children. And I, I, I feel for them because that would be a very difficult thing to go through in any walk of life. Life, but specifically that one. But there's now a conversation surrounding, okay, how much of this is newsworthy? How much of it isn't? I think some of it is and some of it isn't. We'll get into that. But what do you all think before we hear from me? Uh, I think, you know, it's, it's hard for it, I think, not to be a matter of public interest, I think, by virtue of the fact that, um, and it, I think it depends on the politicians and the individuals involved as, as, as sort of leaders in the public realm. But mm-hmm. uh, with Justin Trudeau and Sophie Gregoire Trudeau, I mean, they... They certainly were, I think, a prominent featured public couple together. Uh, and so I think for that separation to take place, I think it, you know, in different ways it has impacts on people throughout the, the country. Um, and frankly, I think it's also, I do think that there is, whether or not, you know, we, you delve into it too far, but I think there is an impact on how people now perceive that individual uh, maybe differently than they did before. Because uh, I do think that, you know, there tends to be a bit of a spotlight on family status and how you are in life uh, in a public figure position like that. And, you know, whether that's it's not reflected, I don't think in, you know, and I think it's true. People have been talking about how the percentages of divorce rates and separation, sadly, in North America are, you know, high enough that you're essentially flipping coins in a lot of cases. Yeah. That now that, you know, maybe that is more the norm. So maybe people will sort of empathize with that. Um, but I think it may change the perception of Trudeau in the end, um, whether or not that's fair. I just think that that's going to be something that will have to come out as, a, as part of this. 
Uh, Jen, what are your thoughts on that? I agree with what with what you're saying, and I think though there needs to be consideration for elements of um, like public safety and that sort of thing. Like what happened um, needs to be part of the conversation if it's in that regard. So if somebody did something to hurt someone, right? Um, so like you relate it to. I don't know, I'm thinking about like when you name a park after someone or you do Mm -hmm. this or whatever. Like when you're in that type of position, so prime minister or celebrity or whatever, you are open to having your life in the public eye um, to a certain extent. But you also have to think of the the kids involved, right? Like I know for me personally, my parents got divorced when I was um, around the same age as um his kids and that's really hard for the kids right mm-hmm. so i think in this exact situation it's it's important to to maybe let people know that it's happened and then it kind of stops there unless something comes up that would be of public interest or public safety a public safety piece yeah i, I agree completely i think the fact is is that it Canadians have a right to know because he is the prime minister of the country. So I think they have a right to be aware that the separation is taking place. And frankly, they put out a statement because obviously they understand, as you said, Jen, that their life is subject to, you know, the public eye, so to speak. However, that's where it stops. You know, everything else is no one's business. Uh, we have to respect their, those those children. We have to respect that, you know, Sophie as well. She's she's not, you talk about security. There's a whole security around that as well, right? Like people are like, where is she living? What's she doing? That's none of our business, frankly, where she's living or what she's doing, right? Um, and I think that the fact is that we really have to take into account if, if they're if there's something more that calls integrity into question, so... Um, you know, obviously we've had we've had situations happen here locally. There's been other international international things that happen. If that comes out, okay, then then there may be there may be a it may be fair for the media to report. Did you and, break some rule of your exactly office? like yeah. yeah exactly what you know you know was there something was there something you know that 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 shouldn't have happened happened then fair that that's a fair conversation to have. Bill it, Clinton as an example yes had an affair well in his office as the president with a staffer with or a staffer. an intern or whatever yeah. whatever classification. someone who was working yeah. there either way that it, is a public it, concern exactly and that is that is a fair um, conversation to have. Um, but if it is just a marital breakdown, like we see that 50% of the population is having right now, sadly, in, in our uh, in our country, then, you know, I, no, I don't think that those intricacies are anyone's business but their own, and they'll work through that, and we need to respect that they have three young children to raise as well. The Prime Minister has to lead a country, and... Uh, and they have to try, try to figure this all out, a very new and, you know, probably scary and unknown mm-hmm. territory. So um, I think it stops at letting people know. And then unless there's anything else, then it's none of our business. Just like it wouldn't be any of our business if your neighbors split up or if anyone in the studio's marriage broke down. Uh, so here's what I would say on this. Uh, the, the whys and hows of the, of the marriage breaking down, I don't think that's necessarily or at all in most cases for public conversation. However, what I do think can be examined is there is a political element of this, not only from the perspective of, okay, the prime minister is now or will be classified in some corners as a, a single dad, but there's also the consideration of Sophie Regard Trudeau was like a part of these campaigns. She was there. She was part of this. And the next time we do this, she's not going to be around. 
and she was a contributor from an ideas perspective. She was a contributor from the perspective of when he was in maybe not quite as much in 2021, but in some prior campaigns, she was with him at a lot of the events and things along those lines. And now she's not going to be there. So what does that mean for him politically? I think is a relevant conversation for Canadians to be having right now. And that's fair. I, I, I you know, I don't know if it's really going to have as big of an impact as some people think and maybe it's going it to have. And but especially it, in Canada, there there doesn't seem to be as much of an interest in, in people's personal lives politically as there are in, like, the U.S., for example, or other countries. I, I agree. I You know, she... You know, I've had very few dealings with with Sophie. I've I've met her a couple times and seen her on the campaign trail, and she's she was incredible. She's very very warm person, uh, very um, kind and caring. And uh, Craig, you alluded to it, very smart. Like mm-hmm. you know, she has, she has great ideas, and uh, um, and uh, you know, I I commend her for for giving up frankly her life for the last eight ten years um because as you know uh, jared you know us being a politician um uh, you know jen you're in the public eye as well here running an organization like when you when you put yourself out there it can be a meat grinder it really can especially politics Mm -hmm. so she she gave up a lot and uh you know i respect the public service that that uh you know that she that she has given as well so you know is it gonna have an impact maybe a little bit but i i really think it's not gonna have a huge you know sway in votes and frankly as some people said some people might relate to him a bit more because okay it isn't this perfect polished little image you know they have problems just like we all do and you know again i'm I'm just not convinced it's really going to move the needle that much one way or the other. And, and, and maybe it won't, but I think that conversing about whether it will is okay. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, it's it's interesting. I think there's two parts to that. One where um, <clears throat> I think for looking at Sophie and, and like, the, the ramifications as far as, and we haven't really heard this from the prime minister yet, but I am curious. I mean, there's just the logistical ramifications of you know uh, parents splitting up and how that works with kids and responsibilities and all that i assume they'll get that figured out i'm just curious if that has any impact on where and you know how often is the prime minister showing up at things or is he more active or less active um i think there is some ramifications around that and then there is to your point craig i mean the the political aspect of this just as far as you know if you know maybe we're not till 2025 we don't have an election but come that time clearly it's going to be justin on his own i would imagine um and the only time that you know i appreciate ryan certainly the much more in the states i think that's much more in the spotlight um but at the same time we really haven't had a uh in uh, something like this take place at the federal level since trudeau senior and so I just don't know if we have too many examples to sort of go off of that. And so I think it will be kind of an interesting area to see what unfolds uh, from a political sense if there is any swing one way or another. And it could be positive or negative. I, I don't know. Yeah, well, we'll see. Uh, Jen, last thought on this before we uh, move on to something else. Do you uh, do you think that this changes the way Canadians view Justin Trudeau or do you think this is relevant from a political perspective? I think it, I think it could. Um, but again, like, you know, if something else comes out, like a, a reason or yeah. whatever, like, you know, that may change then it, it, than- it might change. And then, um, you know, I think about, you know, statistics when it comes to divorced um, families and what that looks like for, um, you know, heterosexual couples and men versus women and just all of those things. So you, you kind of made me think, Jared, about, um, 
you know, what does that look like for Justin Trudeau and continuing to be really involved as a father figure and, and all of that too, when, you know, both the parents are now single parents and what is that going to look like? And I think, yeah, I, th- I mean, I think it's important to to keep an eye on it. I mean, he's the leader of our country, you know, and uh, kind of see where it goes. And Jared, your point on uh, on you know, will he be more involved or less involved? Excuse me, will he be less involved? That's a fair question. Like that, that Craig is something that's fair, mm-hmm. right? If if it's impacting the job, that is fair, and the Canadians have a right to discuss that, you know. So, uh, so I think that that's fair. I, you know, I think they put out a statement that like. He, his schedule isn't changing and when he's not there she will be she will be in at uh, the cottage and and when he when he, he is there she's in her at, her at her own place right so I, I get that they're really it's probably going to be a real collaborative co-parenting because of the nature well, of the so job you, obviously like, unique situation exactly yeah. like right. you know uh, you know the nature of the job you got security everywhere like it's not this isn't like a you know everyday separation right yeah. so I, I think that there's going to be some learning and some adjustments that uh and some understanding, frankly, that needs to take place. But uh, those type of questions are fair. Like, I want to be very, very clear. Like, if it impacts your job and what Canadians Mm -hmm. elected you to do, that's fair. But, you know, all the speculation and the, you know, the little rumors and the the digs and all the, you know, basically the National Enquirer type gossip, I have absolutely zero time for. I will not engage in it. And I think that, uh, um, that we all, we have to keep top of mind, as you both have said, those kids i haven't been through a divorce i i I don't know what's like but i have a lot of friends who have and it can be the darkest moments of not only the adult's life but of those children's lives as well so i think we have to keep that into uh you take that into account because they didn't sign up for this right like it's not like the kids said i'm in let's go let's dad let's go be prime minister right they 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 came along with this and uh so i think a real significant amount of respect has to be given to them and uh, to their current situation you mentioned politics being a meat grinder. Uh, I don't know if there's anything we can do about this, but it really, like, it makes it tough for relationships. It's horrendous. I don't, I don't, I don't know how we change that, but it does. But I think part of it is, um, and I'll let Jared uh, jump in as well. He's he's been in politics as a different level, but still the same. Is that I think part of it is making sure that we have those conversations about how we can how we can make the job a bit more flexible and when I say by flexible I'm not saying easier I'm saying flexible so for example um, by putting a hybrid parliament in place in Ottawa it does allow should you have an emergency you have a sick child something going on that you can still do your job now from London or from whatever community you're from and vote and, and engage in debate and represent your constituents and also still be a parent or a spouse or a, a son or a daughter right so I, I think if Craig, if we're looking at those those sort of things and how we can, you know, adjust hours of council sittings and how we can have those conversations without immediately going to, oh, uh, politicians are overpaid and underworked. It's just not true. Like I've I've been in this for eight years and and I've watched what members of parliament go through. They're never off. Like they're in the grocery store buying tomatoes. They're getting into policy debates in the produce section, right? So it is a very very tough career, albeit one they sign up for, but. I think having these conversations doesn't isn't a bad thing, and, and frankly, the world and life is changing, and we need to adapt to it in all professions. Jared, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it, it is a meat grinder, uh, and you're. I think more than ever, the accessibility of politicians, at least from the perspective of, you need to be accessible via social media, via email, via phone, via I mean everything. Um, that I don't think there's necessarily nearly as much 
semblance of privacy or a life that maybe people used to have and it's all consuming it's all the time you don't i mean you know even you're on vacation you're getting messages you're getting like it doesn't stop um and i i was listening i can't remember it was a podcast or someone's interview recently um it was quite sad but it was yeah, i think it was about uh, someone working in the federal level of government and the the i think it was having to do with the cabinet shuffle or the a recent time ministers were appointed and they said you know look at all these ministers in the room uh in three years you know a third of those uh, people aren't going to have the same spouse anymore or something to that effect wow. uh, and you know that was somewhat anecdotal but somewhat from relevant experience being on the hill and what the toll it can take on your lives and i think especially um you know the commuting the traveling back and forth the living somewhere else a lot of the time like that's it's really tough i mean especially if your family's split up you're not in the same location um it's really challenging i know i was listening craig to a, a former colleague of yours on their podcast uh typically very critical of christopher freeland um but uh they may have mentioned the fact that you know they understood why they might need to commute back and forth between ottawa and toronto so much because they want to make sure they can see their family and, you know, I appreciated that look on things because, you know, maybe critical of someone's policies and Was views. Was this person's name Andrew L? It may have been. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Could um, be anybody. And, uh, you know, I respect that because I think, you know, you can you can look at someone's personal life and, and the political or professional life and understand why, you know, you need that time with your family because it's hard to make that work. Yeah, it's uh, I, I, I guess it, it's hard. I just and, and you're, you're right. Virtual does a little bit. I just am not quite exactly sure. What, what how you solve it entirely and you probably just don't there's just no I, I mean, I'm not sure if you ever will I think yeah. it's trying to make it a bit better but you know is it going to get to a point where it's you know that the job is conducive to a family and to you know relationships no it's just not and to just to echo Jared's point there last thing I'll say on this is that uh, I've been doing this job for eight years now I'm on the hill a lot a lot and um, I once a month, once maybe once every two months, I hear about an MP and their spouse breaking up. Like it's it's constant. Yeah. It's constant. And and these are people that I've uh, many of which I've known since 2015, and uh, it is consistent. They, that that uh, it's it usually happens during the break, like during you know the either when the it rises for Christmas or when it rises for the summer, and it just it's 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 really really sad because if you think about it like again agree or disagree with 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 their policies or anything like i don't care what party you're from the fact that you're giving frankly up your life to serve the public um and give back i, I commend people for that but a lot of people forget the toll it takes on the family on the uh, on the spouse or partner at home on the children and they're just like everyone else they're just they're battling the same issues every day and they're worried about daycare and getting the kids to school on time and making sure food's on the table and there's just one person around because when the MPs in in Ottawa or when the MPPs in Ontario, in Toronto excuse me they're they're there and they're and they're fully immersed they're they're sun up to well past sundown they're going and it, it, it's really you have to be really cognizant of that uh, as an mp and, and luckily there's things like facetime now and and you know there's more technology that allows you to engage a bit more with your family but you know i think about mps back in the 70s you know how, how they were it was telephone at best right and you know you're paying four dollars a minute so eh, i i just really think that we have to be we have to be cognizant of the the family toll it takes on politicians at all levels as well. Uh, you mentioned cabinet. Let's talk about cabinet briefly. 
And uh, this week there was a pretty significant uh, cabinet shuffle, which means that Justin Trudeau has decided to make some changes as far as who is in what portfolio and things along those lines. Now, we're not necessarily due for an election for uh, for a little while here, uh, hypothetically 2025 if this current supply uh, agreement works out. Either way, um, some people who have been there for a very long time are no longer there. Jared, is that a bad sign for the government? I don't know if it's a bad sign for the government. I, I think, frankly, it's hard to, you know, you always try and uh, imagine why these decisions are made and try and figure that out. And I think, you know, there's certainly been, depending on uh, which minister, but certainly a lot of challenges on a number of files and some that maybe hadn't been going as well as they could have been. Uh, and so it's maybe time for a change. You're, you know, a year and a half, two years out from uh, an election as a certainty uh, by 2025. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe you want some fresh faces in there that don't have as much of a, you know, a record with them that, you know, people can criticize for, have a bit of a fresh start. Um, at the same time, you know, there's some senior folks that are still around. Like I think the most uh, sort of senior and seemingly trusted people by uh, the prime minister are still around, it seems. And, you know, I think I would imagine it's some kind of political interest to try and maneuver that for 2025 or sooner. And I think, you know, talking about Justin Trudeau before, but I I do think he has quite the sense of Teflon to him. And, you know, maybe this will just help with that in a future election. But I think that's really a lot of what that's about. And we'll see how it gets received. I, I, to be honest, I haven't heard too much commotion about it, yeah, really. I, I, mean, I, I haven't either. Uh, Jen, in your work, uh, dealing with cabinet ministers is something that, that, that you do. I don't think there was a change with uh, women and gender. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Marcy Ian remains no, that remains ministry that is still there. Yeah. Do, do you know what I don't understand about it, though? Sure. How do, how do they go from dealing with one very specific topic to just then jumping to something else and then having to, like, learn all the things? Like, I think about the minister of... Um, Shoot, Pascal Saint Saint Ange. Yeah, she's so she's, and, now, she's, she's sport before. Yeah, she was, yeah, sport, so now, she was yeah. sport before, and she had to do a lot of stuff. And there around. were a lot of problems in sport, to a be lot. honest. Right, like yeah. that's a lot of work, and she would have been immersed in some of that stuff, mm-hmm. and then just switch it up to to something else. Like that's a yeah. jump. Well, I mean, even at the you know the housing level, that's a huge change from immigration to housing and now infrastructure as well included yeah. in that. And I, I can't remember. I think they were interviewing. It might have been. Um, the new minister, I can't. Uh, Sean Fraser. Sean Fraser. Fraser. Thank yeah. you. Really good guy. Uh, yeah, see, like incredible. Um, but he, I think it might have been him or someone else said, you know, I've got my my letter from my deputy minister uh, a little while ago, and like it's a it's an onslaught of getting onboarded with that file for sure. Like it's a lot to learn. I mean, you're. I think as a city councilor, you know, the city of London, for example, has, you know, just under 100 different services that they provide and offer and things. Budget about a billion dollars. Just about a billion. And, you, you know, lots you need to know. And you translate that to the federal level and all the different services and ministers and ministry, everything that you as an MP have to make decisions on. And so to get mm-hmm. up and running and be the expert on that one file, that's not a quick, it's not a quick study. No. Yeah. no, and I think you'll see a lot of cabinet ministers actually, they admit like, it takes a, like the runway is long, right? Like to like, to your point, Jen. Like to to switch over is very difficult. So they'll get briefed for you know a few weeks, like just nonstop, from various different policy advisors that, that um, on files that make up their new portfolio. But it takes them months and months and months, especially on frankly on a file like like 
housing, for example, like the housing file is just like, it makes my brain hurt. It's one of the hardest files I deal with in our office because there's so many different programs and policies and, and over. I was and told that housing and, was not uh, primarily a federal responsibility. Uh, well, Somebody said that. Well, I, I saw it on an ad on Twitter. You know, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, fair, uh, fair enough. But on the, on, the, on the housing piece in general, it is so complicated because oh, yeah. it is primarily, well, not primarily, it is a pr- according to the constitution, a provincial responsibility, Mm -hmm. but then there's the municipal component in play. And then we really got back into the housing business funding through, uh, through the national housing strategy in 2015, where previous governments hadn't, right? You and I write an announcement that your boss made uh, uh, a couple weeks ago. And for the record, uh, I want to be very clear. This isn't partisan. Uh, um, governments of red and blue persuasion uh, um, weren't in the business of housing uh, back 20 years. So I, I think that files like that, it's so complex that they'll tell you like, it takes them months and they'll be very honest. I don't know. Like you'll, uh, someone who's an expert in her field, like Jen will ask them a specific question. I'm sure it's happened to me before. We're like, I truly don't know the answer to that question. Mm-hmm. Let me dig into it with my team mm-hmm. and set up a follow-up meeting. And you know, Susie will get back to you or Ryan will get back to you and, or I'll call you myself, but I just don't know. Mm-hmm. And frankly, Craig, those are the best ministers that I've come across in my, in my life. I actually have a great story. I was at the London chamber of commerce. It was with Lawrence McCauley. And he was he was talking to um, the committee um, at that time, and someone asked him a really great question. He's like, you know, I don't know the answer to that question. He's like, but I'll do my research and I'll get back to you. And I said to him afterwards, I'm like, it. I, I usually don't hear that from politicians where they're like, I don't know. They try to like stumble through and make up an answer. Mm-hmm. And he said, Ryan, if I don't know, I don't know. But I'll tell you one thing for sure. If I ever get asked that question again, I'll know. And I'll have the answer for that. And and I think that that's frankly what people expect. They don't expect you to be an expert on everything right away, as long as you're committed to getting up on your file. And to your point, Jared, there were people that were underperforming in their portfolios. I can I will say that without a shadow of a doubt. There were some moves that were very much expected. And then there were a couple surprises, to be quite mm-hmm. honest with you. There's some people that aren't in cabinet that I think should still be in cabinet. But... You know, Can we talk about someone who's not in cabinet that was, some people in this community think was going to be in cabinet? And and Ryan, you're obviously very close to this. You work for Peter <laughs> Fragascados. But when when we, we heard, oh, yeah, there's going to be a cabinet shuffle and this minister is this minister's not running for election. And so is, neither is this person. Neither is this person. I think got down to six. Well, I had people saying to me, like, hey, do you think this it's, it's Peter's time? What, what's your response to that? <laughs> I know it's tough. Well, well, I'm obviously very biased. <laughs> yeah. I, want to, I want to say that right off the bat. Yeah. But I will tell you something, and you've, all, you've heard me say this on your show before. Some people get into politics to be somebody. Other people get into politics to do something. Peter Fregascados got into politics to do something. And you know what? Don't I, I'm not just saying that because the man pays my mortgage. I, I, I'm saying that because just if you want proof, most political staffers stay in their job for about two years. I've been here for eight years. Right. Uh, I've been working for Peter for eight years. I'm a bit of an anomaly, a bit of a unicorn in, in this field. And the only sole reason is because of Peter Fregascados and the fact that he continues to deliver for our community day after day after day. That's why I'm still here because I believe in what he's doing and, and I like to be a part of that work. Um, do I think he should be in cabinet? A hundred, a million percent. Like I, I can't say it enough. The, he is so competent. He is... He is a good human being and he would do a great job. Do I get how difficult it is to build a cabinet? 150%. You know, you have regions, you have everything you're taking into account. Without a a shadow of a doubt, some people are going to be left out. I will say this, if I'm going to critique our government on one thing, the fact that they've left Southwestern Ontario out of the cabinet table twice now, 2021, that cabinet um, appointment when Bartish Chager wasn't put back into cabinet, and now... I think that is a glaring error. 6% of the Canadian population is in southwestern Ontario. 
And and if if it's not going to be Peter, there's a lot there's other good people in the region. You know, I look at someone like Eric Kuzmerchuk in Windsor as well, who could have easily taken on a, a role in a very sensitive political area. Also, um, I think leaving out southwestern Ontario would have been a it, it, not would have it is a big 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 mistake. Big yeah, mistake. I, I, and I was just going to say similar to Craig's point. Uh, you know, would have loved to see that was I, when I heard about a cabinet shuffle. I thought it would be a great time for Peter and. Frankly, I think, you know, to your point, Ryan, like he is someone who is not in the job for the accolades. He just works hard for his community, doesn't, you know, isn't in it for the thanks and those, you know, celebrity that comes with it, um, which is amazing to see. And I think also why it would be so fitting for a minister's position because they're not in it to, you know, shout in all the glory that could come with that. Um, and at the same time, I will say, like, you know, between yourself and Peter, um, I was on a, a trip recently with a friend who works for the Hill Times and, you know, they spoke very highly of both of you specifically and Peter specifically as such a hard worker getting things done in Ottawa. And, you know, sadly, there are, you know, we have 338 MPs across the country uh, and there's not as many, sadly, that I can name like Peter that do the job like he does. Uh, we're traditionally an underrepresented region on this. We are. Ed Holder was... Uh, he was uh, an MP for more than six years before he was in the cabinet. Yeah. You know, like, so who we, Joe Fontana has been in cabinet. Correct. Is that? That's it. I can he, remember. He it, I, I, he, like off the top of my head, my, yeah. London memories as far as federal cabinet, Joe Fontana and, and Ed Holder are the only ones that I can remember. Yeah. I don't know if you go back like in the I'm Charlie sure, Turner time and that. I don't, yeah. I don't know to be quite honest with you, but um, I, I think that Joe was really the, the first, well, the one that I, we can remember. And then, yeah. and then Ed was, you know, and he was, at, he was in cabinet for about eight months. Yeah, he was yeah. He, he was late near the next near the next election, and and someone who on this show I've spoken very highly about. Like I I quite enjoy working with Ed Holder. I think he's a great person, and uh, we don't agree on everything, but he has a way to he has a way to talk to people that even don't agree with his positions and get stuff done. And I think that that that's also what impresses me most about Peter is that it doesn't matter what political persuasion you are. Peter can talk to anyone, and he can. Uh, make people feel as though they're they're heard. So yes, but but to your point, I I do believe our our region is underrepresented, and and I don't know why. Like because it's such an important region politically too. I don't know. It, I, it is and it I'm isn't sure. is the problem I think right, and that's one of my frustrations as a you know longtime Londoner is federally especially, uh, but you know provincially as well. We well provincially lately we we've certainly got I think shut out no. um, and you know well, we've you, been electing a lot of opposition MPs so <laughs> or MPPs rather so yeah I, and you know I think even at the at the federal level right now where we have two members of parliament that you know are sitting in the current government and you know I think when we look ahead politically at a future election I certainly think that you know plays a huge part into that cabinet shuffle and you know 905 the GTA uh, you know, Montreal, Metro Montreal, Metro Vancouver. Typically, these are the areas that are the make or breaks for yep. the federal election. So, unfortunately, I, I'm not, I guess I'm not surprised in some ways that maybe Southwestern Ontario isn't getting that nod, but certainly disappointed. I'll say this, and this is how I classify London electorally. As you know how sometimes you're at like a, a hockey tournament or a soccer tournament and you're, you're determining who gets which seed and you have to go to like the 10th tiebreaker. London's essentially the 10th tiebreaker. <laughs> so it's good if you win here, but the election's probably going to be decided in, in, in areas one through nine. Yeah. That's, that's, that's how I look at it. I want to talk about one more thing, and that's news. And news is no longer being shared on meta platforms as per the government's uh, uh, situation with Bill C-18. And, and here's what I wanted to talk about with that, and, and, and Jen, I wanted to ask you about it. 
Uh, colleagues in Sarnia uh, shared a story this week about a woman who is th- was 30. She was missing. She has since been found safely, which is good. But police were concerned about her well-being. That story we were not able to post to get shares on Facebook. I am worried about that from a public safety perspective. And, 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 and Jen, I suspect that you might have similar concerns with the way that, that – because, like, just there's a lot of eyeballs on Facebook. Yeah, we've been talking about it um, at the office and what are we going to do to get the same kind of messaging out there because, I don't know, I, for me, that's where I get my news is, mm-hmm. you know, Facebook and wherever else. Um and yeah, it's, I think that it's a huge problem for um, organizations like ours. And your example is an exact, an exact reason why, right? Yeah. It's a quick way for information to be shared. Um, and it's, it's really unfortunate. And so, like, I have a question for, for all of you, because maybe you have the answer, but what's next? Like, is this going to happen with Twitter too? Like it's Google and Meta right now, right? Yeah. And And there's a deal with Google that's kind of, we're figuring it out with Google. Right. So like, what's next, right? Like, and, and yeah, I mean, from the public safety perspective, when you think about the work that we do, that's a, that's a big thing too. But even for, um, you know, uh, awareness raising and all of that, I mean, we oftentimes will have comments in, the news about different things that come up and we'll use those platforms to share that information to um, the public and raise awareness of what's going on. And that can't happen anymore. Um, Yeah, I think it's, I think it's going to hurt. And it's unfortunate that, that it's happening. These, uh, the the legislation that led to this, I I personally don't agree with. Um, And I think the intention of it is not going to have the intended result of what it's supposed to do the government i think was trying to solve a very real problem yes but they've gone Mm -hmm. about it the wrong way that's that's my belief and and so you know and i think i can't remember exactly but i think a a similar situation took place in australia australia and a couple other countries and i think if i'm not mistaken they've all gotten to some point of making deals i believe with most of the organizations they're just so different from us because we have the we have the United States giant next door, and it's not the same deal for them. For sure, and and we will say, I mean, from the uh, tech companies broadly, we'll just say that that you know have the I, I they're in the driver's seat here. I think. I mean, they don't need the Canadian ad revenue. I think it's a nice to have, but they're not. I personally don't think they're they're going to make or break by shutting this down. Um, and I think it's going to get people upset, and it's going to do the job of pushing people to push government to make some kind of deal or change to allow this back to happen again because i mean yeah it's uh, social media has become which whatever you know one you're using i think has become probably one of the most common platforms for people to access news and Mm -hmm. i didn't realize that even that story that you couldn't share about uh, a missing woman i mean that is now so for some people it will come up but when so when we shared that piece it, it comes up and says not users in canada will not be able to see this story Mm-hmm. Just uh, that, like, I'm I'm just really uncomfortable with that because so much of Facebook is just the passive news scrolling, and you're not necessarily going there for news, but you're going through your friends' feed, and you maybe if you follow Sarnia News today, you see that story come up, and you're like, hey, wait a minute, I saw someone who looked just like this at the Tim Hortons I was at just now. Yeah. Now, in this particular case, woman's fa- been found, she's mm-hmm. safe, fantastic, it's exactly what we wanted to hear. But I just I I worried that because of limiting that audience are we lessening the likelihood of that outcome being the case in future in future instances and and i i worry the answer to that's yes and that's mm-hmm. concerning to me yeah i agree yeah. 
Ryan, what are your thoughts on it? Well, I, I, on that example, it's a problem. Like, I'm just going to be blunt. Like, that is, that, that is a problem. I, I get where you're also coming from, Jared. Um, you know, is it... I think it is going to have an impact. Is it going to be like the silver bullet? No, it's not going to be the silver bullet. Um, that it that what what the legislation was trying to to do. Having said that, I'm also not for letting the big tech companies call the shots. And this is a big problem because you know what they did pretty much the exact same thing in Australia when they basically went as far as they've gone now, and then they kind of backed down. Your Craig, your point about the United States being next door changes the scope of things. I agree yeah. with you fully. Having said that, we're seeing with what's kind of happening with Twitter right now. And I'm going to be honest with you. It's kind of getting into like a scary place with what uh, since the new ownership of Twitter has taken over and that. And and I think what there needs to be regulation. They're like a big, a big, uh, a big tech companies should be paying their fair share. They should be that, you know, they should for for um, content they're using. They should be um, uh, paying for that. But there are some real concerning unattended consequences like the story that you just raised and that is a that is a problem and uh, i don't know if there's a way to solve that like you said i, I believe we're working through some things with google right now I, i'll be honest i'm not as well versed as to where those conversations are right now yeah. that's a, a bit above my level our stories are showing up there yeah that's exactly know, exactly I mean? and and you know i know i know facebook is really what they're worried about is that if they give too much then it's going to be a domino effect around the globe right but at the same time do uh, is there maybe a happy medium that can be reached i believe there is and i believe it will be um, but at the same time they can't just have a free-for-all and do whatever the heck they want and 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 have all the revenue and like and like, and like you know just give me give me gimme like no they have to they have to be held to a higher standard and uh, um i i so i i get the i i really do get where the legislation is coming from i don't disagree with it however i will concede to you that it, it's not necessarily going to have the the scope of the impact that maybe some think it does i i think that in, and i was actually talking about this on uh, on twitter this morning with a former colleague of mine let's call him a lawton uh, <laughs> and and he he noted that it had been pointed out that in the 2021 conservative platform they had noted that this was a problem and he said well the parties change leaders and i don't know if they still feel this is a problem uh, i think the conservatives should feel this is a problem if they disagree with how the government's gone about trying to solve it fair enough but canadian publishers are getting their ad revenue siphoned off by tech companies in California, that is absolutely a problem. I just don't, like, was this the way to go about solving it? And the result right now isn't looking good. I hope that changes soon. I like to think cooler heads would prevail. I suspect that's what's going to happen. But for now, we're leaving ourselves in a little bit of a, a troubled time here. So someone who wants the news, someone who wants to find this podcast, someone who wants to find something we've written on London News today about what's going on at City Hall or something along those lines, they're going to find that stuff. I'm not really worried necessarily about that as a short-term thing. But the example that we cited earlier or, uh, you know, tornado warning or something along those lines, those are the types of things that I am worried about. Not as many people seeing when how quickly you see this can be very relevant to the result of the story. That's very fair. Yeah. On it, tr yeah. Truthfully, that's a very, very fair point. So leaving us in that situation, hopefully not for long, but I'm a little bit worried about it. Yeah, that. and I think that I really... Obviously, we've had a change in heritage minister as well. Um, yes. Pascal St. Ange is the, is the new minister. And and, 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 and and we'll see what she does with this file. One could argue that perhaps we've had a change in heritage minister because of the way this shook down. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah yes, no. I also think that the heritage minister is, he's a very 
good human being, a good minister. I think he's going over to transport, which is a, a file that had some ch- some challenges. And I there's a few I, challenges. I, yeah. I quite like the the former um, uh, fine uh, transport minister. Excuse me. I think he's an incredible person. However, there's no doubt that we had some challenges on that particular file. Um, so I think that that's why you see Pablo over in transport. Having said that, I think Saint Ange might bring a different look to it and maybe what we just talked about maybe there's that compromise craig that we can that we can come to to where ever where we can protect canadian publishers where we can protect protect canadian content and when we can have and we can also then give a little to make sure that we don't have situations like uh what you brought up and what jenna brought up because that, that is that is a big real problem that we need to consider i agree um i i so and, and here's the thing is this a problem yes or no at least in the 2021 election all the parties that got seats in Parliament agreed that this is something that needed to be remedied in some way, shape, or form. The tech companies taking ad money that would otherwise be going to Canadian publishers. All four parties that got seats agreed, or five parties that got seats agreed with that. Uh, but it, I don't know if that's how the Conservatives still feel. But I suspect that there are some people within the party who still feel that way. So we'll see what kind of a conversation it generates for the next election. Jen, any thoughts on that before we wrap up? I don't think I have any any other thoughts except for that, you know, organizations like ours are going to have to pivot yeah. yet again to figure out how to get the same information out to the people yeah. um, that need to see it. And, you know, it is what it is at this point. Yeah. We've got to do what we got to do. Another another challenge. Just what you well, guys but need. To be fair, to, to, and to be fair to Jen's point there, too, I yeah. think then if organizations like yourself have to pivot, there are going to need to be programs put in place to assist you with doing that. You guys are already stretched thin enough as it is you're turning pinching every penny six times over so mm-hmm. there needs to that if there are these unintended consequences serious like this then we need to find a way to uh to address that and to either provide the resources or the expertise to help organizations like lock um make sure that that information can get out or to your point craig um a different issue but also concerning for public safety a tornado warning or something like that right um i, I don't exactly just want to rely on that that annoying noise that comes over the radio, right? It's not the, that's not enough for some people who are, right. aren't in the car or, or you know, or yeah. don't listen to the radio anymore, right? So, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, and then uh, there, there's still the things over phones, but even still, it just, yeah. Uh, the more eyeballs you can get on a piece of information like that, the better it's going to be. So uh, we'll have to wrap it up there just because we're up against the clock for time. But thank you very much to Jared and to Ryan and to Jen for, for doing the show with us this week. Thanks very much to all of you for listening to and downloading the Craig Needles podcast, which of course can be found at ClassicRock981.com, LondonNewsToday.ca, and wherever you get your podcasts. The Craig Needles Podcast is a presentation of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network. 